You're listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next half an hour or so we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. Hooray! I'm joined by my fellow presenter Ollie Lloyd who's been swanning around the world. You went to Indonesia, didn't you? I did. I did have a four-week break in Indonesia with You've my two kids. You've got a big smug smile on your face, like oh. you're all happy and relaxed and jolly. Is this your first day back at work? It's kind of my first day back at work, yeah. Mm. You've got a very so. sort of Matisse-like shirt. It's my old friend Paul. Oh, is it Paul Smith again? It's Paul Smith again. Sorry, sorry. I've, I've, you know, your teeth look really white. Do it's, I, no. it's probably because you're tanned. It's like quite tanned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is what happens when you spend four weeks. I have to say, my big recommendation out there: if you haven't been to Indonesia, I think the food is hugely underrated. Really? And I need to find an Indonesian restaurant in London. Oh, not sure. I know. Well, I, I haven't looked yet properly, but I've. Mm. I was just really impressed by the quality and the depth of flavour. And we managed to get my six-year-old is now addicted to chili. Slightly already <laughs> he's like can I have some chilli it's like no stop it <laughs> that's terrible it so so, um, so what sort of food was it then Ollie what, so, what, what? I mean lots of um, I mean nasi goreng is the sort of thing mm. you know uh, lots of just big flavoured rices lots of um, you know really spicy kind of little relishes but the fact is it's 17,000 islands in Indonesia wow. 17,000 and so you know as you pop around we were mainly in, in Lombok and, and Bali and and uh, you know some of the surrounding areas and you know you just realize the food is really different in a lot of these places and so you'll pick up different regional cuisine and it's very varied a bit like India and, you know, yeah exactly people exactly. say like Indian food but yeah, actually well, but what, what Indian is, food <laughs> no exactly yeah and um we even went to a lovely trip we went to an, a chocolate um Sort of factory, which was, I mean, literally a shed in the middle of nowhere where some crazy American had decided to start, you know, re- rehabilitating the cacao plantations of the area and creating his own chocolate. My, my daughter almost exploded having tried 12 different chocolates. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it's just lovely to sort of see that sort of cottage industry and see how they're working to create, you know, really interesting food. There. So what do you do then as, as you know, a Lloyd family? Do you just, do you, I'm really intrigued by this, um, so do you just like go and hire a shack or do you stay in like really high-end hotels and no, move no, we, around? What, what do you do with so the we kids did, and everything? We, my, my wife has, in my opinion, advanced ADD of, of, right, of, okay. of, for travel. So if we're anywhere for more than four days, she starts to get itchy. We were right. on an island for five days where there was no internet, nowhere to go. How fantastic. And that was so that? good. She was, yeah. after day one, she's like, where are we going tomorrow? I'm like, nowhere. Um, so we, we, we hopped around a lot. And we basically, we, we love Airbnbs. Yeah. I so we always just, now. you know, we rented a, a house off Mount Batur, which was, you know, massive. It was 30 quid a night. Wow. You know, it was a massive thing overlooking well, Mount Batur. that's great for family, Batur. isn't it, though? Exactly. You've got loads of room and you can yeah. sort yourself out. You can put them to bed and, you know, you can yeah. stay up and, and watch, you know, the bats fly around and there's mm. 400 roosters wake you up at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, you know, you get all that sort of experience. Yeah, I I, um, I really like Airbnb. Airbnb, yeah. it's great. Uh, some really nice places. Yeah, it's great. They've 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 really changed. I think the way that people can interact with a country because you do get to you know go to the markets and pick things up mm. and buy things. Um, it's easier in some places than others, but yeah. it was yeah, I, I love it. Oh, very good. So if anybody knows any Indonesian restaurants, can you yeah. let us know, please, on yeah. my Twitter, because we'd be very interested. We've got two lovely guests today, as usual. So um, Sean Jones, hi there. Hi, nice to you, be here. You, you, you have a company which has got a great name. It's called Chuckling Goat. 
chuckling goat indeed, because when we started, I didn't know how to take care of goats properly. And my husband, who's a farmer, said, just look at them. Do they look happy? Do they look like they're chuckling? It's all good. That's all right. So we're going to learn lots and lots about goats, but also... You're a um, a, sort of a little bit of a gut health specialist, so I want some advice from you. Yeah, later. we've had a we've had a long and winding road on that, so be happy to fill you in. That would make a good uh, title for a song, wouldn't it? And um, we've got. Uh, did you see what I did there, Ollie? No, no. Um, <laughs> we've also got uh, Rekha Meh. Hi there. Good morning. Yes, you and I have come across each other a few times. Um, and we'd also like. It's a bit of an advisory program today. We'd also like some advice from you because. You know, you're very good at uh, advising small businesses and helping them grow and quite interested in the trends at the moment, what you're seeing. Yeah. And and, and, and if Ollie and I had, you know, a spare £100,000 each, which obviously we have. Yeah, I won the lottery last week. <laughs> we'd, we'd like to know where to invest it. Hmm. I'd love to talk well, about that. Well, um, that doesn't put much pressure on, does it? So we're going to start off with Chuckling Goat. Now, um, you are... The number one UK producer of, do I call it kefir? Kefir? You can. I say kefir because I'm American, but you can say it however you want, as long as you drink it. Yeah. See, Americans don't really pronounce things properly. So what is the proper thing in English? (laughs) People say kefir. Kefir. That's what I'm used to saying. And in Wales? Kefir. Oh, do they say kefir? Okay. Hmm. I think we should, I think we should stick to the Welsh pronunciation. Let's stick to the Welsh. So um, so you're the, the number one UK producer of kefir. And you are the leading gut health experts in the field. You offer a range of natural gut health solutions, including award-winning goat's milk, kefir, kefir skin care, which I really didn't know anything about, microbiome testing, which I'm fascinated by. Um, and you've, you've just got a whole number of lovely nutritional therapists that work with you. And it just really, if you go on your website, they're just so enthusiastic, it looks like, and passionate. That's what seems to come through. We have a very passionate team, and if they're not really pursuing this as a mission, they don't stay with us. Yeah. So, so there are lots and lots of things uh, written about microbiomes. You know, is it? Is it? Well, what do you think, Ollie? Is it like a fatty thing, or do you think it's? Well, I, I suppose it's, it's one of those ones real? where there's obviously controversy. I can use the word contro- maybe there isn't controversy, but I think there are a lot of people who say, "Oh, it's overstated," or "gut." You know, there's so. You know, there's there are certain myths around it, and I think with all things that are health related, there are always those dangers mm-hmm. that. People abuse it or don't know. Over-egg it. So can you explain what microbiome is, please, Sean? Mm -hmm. So your microbiome is the collection of living organisms that live inside your gut. Trillions and trillions of bacteria right now at this very moment inside you. Um, The way I like to imagine that is imagine it like the rainforest. You know, you've got... not a great metaphor at the moment, but um, you've got loads and loads of organisms operating in a complex ecosystem. Imagine birds, lizards, leaves, deer, jaguar, trees, fish. And like any ecosystem, the one inside your gut is fragile and it can be damaged. And the things that damage it are sugar, antibiotics, stress, and environmental toxins. And when that happens, then the diversity of species inside your gut decreases, which is what happens to us uh, when we age, for example. The health of any ecosystem is tested by its diversity. So when you start losing those strains, then you become more vulnerable to pathogens, disease, and infection. So So diversity is the key? Just go back. So you're saying the three things that hurt it. So sugar, I think Mm -hmm. we all understand that. I don't understand that. What is sugar? Well, no, I mean, as in, I understand what it is, and I understand. But the sugar plant. is a natural product, or it should be. But are you saying refined sugar? 
sugar kills the good bugs in your gut, just like okay. pouring bleach into a river kills the fish. That's a really strong statement. That's absolutely true. Sugar okay. is cancer's best friend, and it is the worst thing you can possibly do for your microbiome. Blimey. Okay, so we've got sugar, sugar. enemy okay. number one. So enemy number two? Antibiotics. Yeah, I can get that. But, so but as in antibiotics which you take in order to... Antibiotics that you take by mouth and also antibiotics that are in the groundwater and antibiotics that are in the food chain. We're all getting blasted with a certain low level of antibiotics all the time, whether we like it or not. And those things, the antibiotics kill the bugs. You know, hopefully they kill the infection you're trying to kill, but they kill everything else as well. They just kill... It's doing its job in in a way, isn't it? Right. Exactly, but... But it's it's a little bit like... It's it's like spraying... yeah, Yeah, it's like spraying the jungle with Agent Orange to kill the mosquitoes. You do kill the mosquitoes, but yeah. you kill everything else as well. Yeah. Okay, so antibiotics. And the mm-hmm. third one? So uh, environmental damages. Environmental toxins. Toxins. So those are things like pollution. They're things like uh, personal care products. They're things like household cleaners. You know, the average woman hosts 515 unique chemicals by the time she steps out of the bathroom in the morning in the shampoos, the conditioners, the makeup, the deodorant, and so on. And those chemicals leach into your system and alter your DNA in such a way that they no longer recognize one another. So your cells actually turn on each other, and that's the definition of autoimmune, which is friendly fire when your immune system attacks itself. Can you imagine being in Ollie's gut? I mean, what he eats. I mean, do you know what he eats? I mean, actually, that probably means you're really, really healthy because you You eat the most... Amazing. No, but I was my, my father. We used to go. So my father, we I, we lived half of my father and half of my mother because they were divorced. And um, my father had you know just the least clean flat in, in London. And my we, the three of us always joke. My brother, and my sister, and myself joke that you know one of the reasons that we 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 get ill less often, particularly when we're traveling, is because we just ate a lot. You've had it already. Stop whatever it was. We were young, <laughs> and you know I lived in India, and you sort of you know if you do it, you know you pick up. A lot of fun stuff. <laughs> That's exactly true. They, there's a lot of thinking um, in the science these days that we're too clean. Oh God, and that our attempts that. to sterilize everything yeah. really has been a problem. So it's they say... firing terribly. Yeah, get kids out there, get them dirty, let them eat dirt, let them get muddy. All of those things improve your microbiome. Mm. So so when my daughter was little, she was running around a field. And then, you know what kids are like, they, they, when they're very little, they... they explore the environment through their mouth, don't they? They sort of pick things up and put them in their mouth. So she got, she was chewing us. I thought, oh, God, what's she got in her mouth now? Anyway, I put my fingers in her mouth. She's been eating all these rabbit droppings. Oh, God, I think. But actually, do you know what? That's kids. It's all good. And, and it's all good. <laughs> I wouldn't obviously recommend that <laughs> proactively, but, but it was just her running around and, and, you know, being outside. And I guess that's what happens, really. Children who interact with animals actually have lower rates of allergies. So getting out there on the farm is a good thing. Hmm. Rekha, what's your, what's your take on the microbiome thing? Have you, have you got a healthy gut? I'd like to think so. Uh, I think it's a super fascinating subject. I think I spend a lot of time trying to read and glean the right information. Um, It is quite confusing, though, as usual, with most food information. It really is, trying to filter through that. I think trying to find uh, kefir, if I'm going to use the anglicised pronunciation, that I can palate that tastes okay on the way down is uh, probably is an eternal quest. So I tend to add a, a bit of extra honey in there, which I don't know if I'm just destroying what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, it would be we, good we to know that. No, that. Yeah, it yeah, would be great to know that. Honey is an antibiotic. Mm. And so if you're drinking it along mm. with the probiotic, you're killing off the good bugs as fast as you put them in. Okay, this is good to know. Not a good idea, Rick. Well, I'm glad you just said that, actually, because Sean's brought in her 
I'm going to stick to the Welsh pronunciation, Kiefer. Can we have a little try? Of course because, you can. Uh, because we're going to ask Rekha if she she actually passes the you know test here. Listen, don't worry, we've got a lot of if, things on this programme. If you program, don't like that slightly like. sour thing, what, what would you suggest you did add, add to it? Do, so, I sh- do I shake this or do you just have it as is? Uh, yes, shake but be careful because it can be very explosive. Okay, we're not going to do it. We did have a massive explosion <laughs> it's the like, other week. It's like did. goat's milk champagne. Yeah, okay. It is fizzy, it is fermented, and I will tell oh, you're going to lose it. You're going to no, no, lose no, it. No, 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 I've got it right it's gonna, Oh, that's oh, going to no, be that, dramatic. That, you're going to be wearing that. that's fine. I'm actually leaving the studio right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, God. Was evacuate, evacuate. It was that mad bloke who was a forager and he bought in some, was it elderflower? And I was, and I was wearing, everywhere. I, I was you wearing wore it. it. Yeah, we wore it for the whole programme. Program. I'm a bit more concerned about wearing goat milk you know, for the yeah. rest of the day. Do carry on. Do carry on. The flavour in this, it is very tart and tangy and fizzy. Yeah, because it's yogurt, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's butyric acid. Butyric acid is what's in Parmesan. It's the flavour in Parmesan cheese. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it is really, really good for your gut. Butyric acid is taken on its own as a food supplement because it is so anti-inflammatory. But it can be difficult to palate. And what I say to people is just drink it because it's good for you. <laughs> You know, really well, just get it down you. 100% pure People stevia. say about whiskey as well. I mean, I... <laughs> just I, I doubt it. You know, just doubt they it. say, they say... Just, they just say, get on with it. Yeah, just get fine. on with it. It's good for you, you know. Okay. Makes I managed the world. to open well, that well, successfully. Done. Well, done. This is... It's... It's okay. not a... It's not a milkshake. It, it is a like medical beer. food. It smells like beer. It smells like yeast, doesn't it? Yeah, you're smelling the fermentation in there. Exactly, yeah. So this is made with real kefir grains. So can we start... Can we, can we wind back? So yeah. what is kefir? So kefir is a, a live culture fermented drink. Ours is made with goat's milk because cow's milk is allergenic and contains the A1 casein, which is inflammatory for your gut. And goat's milk does not contain the A1 casein. So it's hyperallergenic and very well tolerated. Goat's milk is also a polysubstrate, which means that it grows all the bacteria evenly. Oh, that's so disgusting. I'm really sorry, John. (laughs) Tart, fizzy and tangy. I can imagine that's, yeah... I can imagine you feel that's better? very good for you, though. It is mm. good for you. It is. 170 God, mil a day. It takes massively goat. 170 mil a day. 170 mil a day is recommended. So, you, so you, what would I add to you, that? You've then? just done 10 mil. You haven't done 10 mil. You've got 17 more stiffs. It's such a distinct taste. It is a very distinct taste. Wow. Interestingly... Pe- I am drinking more, though. People, well, people find that if they once they start taking it, they start to crave it. That sour taste... We're not familiar with it because we're used to having everything be sweet. We are not used to bitter taste or sour taste or fermented taste. We've gotten out of the wow. habit. You see, I have to say. Do you like I, that? I, you know, I think. I'm crying on me, actually. It was just a bit I, of a shock. I quite uh, like when I that. first drank it. I mean, I, it's not. So it was funny. We had the people from the real kombucha company in the other day. And um, I, t- up until then, I'd always said I don't like kombucha. But this was like, okay, this is serious. That was really good. It was really good. And I actually ended up buying a case or two of it and now drink it at home. And I think. This is, you know, this is this is an acquired taste, but in in a, in in the mem- it reminds me of kombucha in terms of the flavouring and stuff. It's got that fermented hit to it. You know, it, it's a therapeutic food, is what it's, it is. It's um, the other thing that shocked me um, was it's it's sparkly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very fizzy. Okay, Raker. I started off like going, oh my god, and now I'm I'm actually thinking yeah, I'll I- have another bit now and another bit. You know, that reaction is your body going, I need that. It's really, we get in the habit of feeding our tongues so we eat things that taste good. But actually, you need to think about feeding your gut bugs because your gut bugs determine your health. So when we do the microbiome testing, we can see your disease protection against colitis, Crohn's, diabetes, heart disease, 
obesity, all of those things are, and more are determined by your gut bugs and they eat different things. This is the kick. So your gut bugs eat fiber and they don't just eat any old fiber. They actually eat 21 different kinds of fiber that are contained in some very exotic elements like cassava root or tamarind seed. And how much of that are we actually eating in our UK diet? Which is why we've put together this probiotic, prebiotic powder. Do you mind if we go onto that in, in a minute? Of course. Raker, come on, you're going to have to say whether you... What do you think? That is, it's just a Raker shock. Raker is definitely not there for it's us. It's just a shock <laughs> when you first have it, isn't it? It is the shock. I agree with that. I think <clears throat> I think each sip, it gets smoother, as you said. I definitely agree with the I'm used now, to feeding our I'm tongues. now getting creaminess now. I think, well, actually, I've, and I, I'm not just saying, I, my mouth has now started salivating after three sips, so there, something good must be going on, and I can imagine a party's going on in my gut. The question that I wanted to ask is, should we be consuming this first thing in the morning? First thing in the morning on an empty stomach. Yeah. Um, because the kefir actually adheres to the wall of the intestine and those good bugs grow. What you're doing is preemptively putting in good bugs to push the bad bugs back. So there's always a war going on in your gut. Um, the bad bacteria are fed by sugar. The good bacteria are not. See, I'm really interested in this. I mean, I, I would call this quite an advanced taste. And by that, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a, a singular sort of, you know, a lot of food is manufactured to deliver very quick instant hit likability, right? I'm thinking a lot of kids' food and a lot of stuff that I really have major problems with. And I look at this and I go, this is a sophisticated thing to want to drink, or at least the way we're teaching ourselves to eat food, you know, this sophisticated thing. I mean, do you find that it is, it is you know, it appeals more to an older generation. Bizarrely, I'm wanting more of it. I, 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 this is ridiculous. But I'm, You're I'm looking poor, younger, actually. I've just poured myself some more because I just feel like I, ne I need some more. It's like fake and news. And I'm not joking. Uh, this is bit, it's a bit weird. You do have that reaction. People do. And people start. People say, oh, I couldn't deal with, deal with it when I started drinking it. And now I absolutely crave that sour taste. I think you're right. I think it is an advanced taste. I think we are just accustomed to having mostly everything is sweet. Or salty. You know, the other flavors, um, you know, maybe we do a bit of umami, but we do not do bitter. And bitter is an important flavor. It's important for your body, makes your liver produce bile, which helps you digest your food. And sour, fermented, it's gone out of favor. You know, we used to have buttermilk. We don't do it anymore. But Negroni is sour, so I'm up for that. <clears throat> so, is, so is whiskey. Hmm. <laughs> Second so, time you've mentioned whiskey. Do we, do we need to break out the you, bottle? Do you crave another glass of that now, or are you? I think I'm all set. Yeah, I'm good for today. But it's, oh, yeah. it's I, I've got I've got another big. You've got another. You see, big for glass me, it reminds well. me. I mean, I lived in 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 um, Mumbai for a while, and I think they are much more. They serve that sort of. You know, we have some of the lassies mm. and stuff. They taste much more like that. Mm -hmm. What so the the kefir market seems to have exploded in the last year or so. And there's now Yo Valley there. There's now a couple of others. I'm trying to think who else there is that's mm. on the market. But are are all are all of them the same? Or you said some are, are cow milk, some of them are goat milk. I mean, what are the differences? So when someone walks up to the shelf, what are you looking at? It really depends on what you're after. If you're looking for a therapeutic grade kefir that's going to help with things like eczema, IBS, anxiety, depression, uh, autoimmune conditions, what you want is something that is unflavored unsweetened because yeah. sweeteners kill the good bugs 
So you're actually doing more harm than good. And if you buy some of the supermarket kefirs to counter the sour taste, they have added so much sugar that they actually have more sugar than Coca-Cola. So you really are doing damage. What is the point? Yeah. 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 Then you also want kefir that's made with real grains rather than a powdered sachet starter. The real grains are exponentially stronger. Just much, much, much stronger. And then you want a base that is anti-inflammatory. So cow's milk, obviously A1 casein, that's high, That's going to be allergenic. That's going to be problematic. So the goat's milk is a good alternative for that because it's not going to be inflammatory. And um, I'm, I'm slightly going off the subject. What about the sort of apple cider vinegar? Is that is, is that, again, the same type of thing where we're looking at fermented you know, beautifully produced and it's mm-hmm. got a m- huge sour edge, obviously, it's mm-hmm. vinegar. Is that, is that the same type of thing? Yeah, very similar concept. You take apple cider vinegar, say, half an hour before meals to stimulate your digestive process. Right. And it does help a lot of people who have the kind of stomach issues that we work with. Okay. I just couldn't. I mean, I, I could happily drink that, every, <laughs> the, the, the kefir every day. I could now, actually. No, I could sorted. not drink uh, you know, whatever it's meant to be, 100 milliliters of apple cider. Of oh, no, cider you vinegar. wouldn't want to take no, 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 that. It's just a spoonful. spoonful. It's only a spoonful. tiny bit. It's only a spoonful. Yeah, please don't do that. Okay. <laughs> you make yourself very ill. We just had the uh, Future Food Awards and um, Willie's apple cider vinegar. I'm stunned by it. It's gorgeous. Willie as in Willie? Uh, William Chase. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's a new company. That, 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 that's Is it? I could actually... Could you drink it? I have to say, though, I, I'm, I've, this has completely and utterly grown on me. I would have this every morning. I mean, I have goat's milk anyway because I actually think it's, it's kinder to. I'm, I'm glad I've just accidentally made that decision, but but um, goat's milk seems to be kinder to my stomach anyway. Your instincts are good. There you go. Right. So tell me about microbiome testing because if you go onto your website, you you can you can do a test. What what, what does that actually involve, Sean? So the microbiome testing happened when I saw that it was out on the market. I thought, ooh, I want that. The technology that enables you to actually see what's going on inside your gut means we don't have to guess anymore. So if you're having any of these autoimmune issues for a long time, you've just been sort of shooting in the dark thinking, oh, how do I change my diet? I don't know. Do I need, what do I need, B12? You know, it's a huge guessing game. So you send in a biosample. Um, and what does that mean? It's, yeah, a, it's a stool sample. Oh, right. God, really? Yep, really. Uh, <laughs> drop it off in your nearest place. You have to do it on a good day. Uh, on a good day. <laughs> on a good day is good. Um, and it goes off to the Atlas Biomed lab. Where they do put it in a bag. They no no. There's a, there's a through the post. No, there's a kit. Oh, okay, cool. Goes into a little test tube. God. Um, right. You send it off to the lab. <clears throat> And they do an analysis. They find out exactly what is going on in your microbiome in terms of what strains you're missing. Yeah, that makes sense. And then they distill all that information excuse me, into a list of recommended foods. So what you need to eat to boost the bugs that you're missing are different than the bugs that I'm missing. So really, it's a very specific, personalized recommendation list. Are there things that generally come up that if you look at the average diet of of the UK, what what generally? Yeah, there's a lot of things like um, obesity, for example, has to do with the balance of two bugs, bacterioides and formiculites. And so if your balance is wrong on that, then you're going to tend to be more obese. And of course, we have a lot of obesity in the UK. Um, Acromancia is a very helpful kind of bacteria that helps keep your weight under control. If you're low in acromancia, then you're going to have problems with your weight. And so, so, we, so what should you eat if, you, if, if you're low in 
Acromantia, whatever it's called. Interestingly, acromantia is difficult to get in the diet. You get it best by fasting because it's a very tough bug. And so when you stop putting the food into the system, the acromantia will grow while everything else decreases. So that's the sort of reasoning behind intermittent fasting that you hear a lot of discussion about these days. Intermittent fasting doesn't mean not having food for a week. It means means maybe... Not eating from lunchtime onwards, and you know that sort of thing. It's not. It's not an extreme no, thing, which would be extreme. quite dangerous. Yeah. It's not <clears> extreme. <throat> you just sort of um, you're keeping the window a little bit shorter. Like don't eat after seven p.m. Just for example, uh, because a lot of our digestion has to do with our circadian rhythms, mm. and people are very out of touch with their circadian rhythms because we've got light, so we can go on sort of twenty four hours a day, you know, and eat any time we want to. Um, but actually, your body is still tied to the biological rhythms of daylight. So it's good to eat during daylight hours because your your digestive enzymes function better. I'll be fascinated to see what your results come out at. So, so, so what does it cost us to get your... So it's £129 for the test. And that includes a free consultation with a nutritional advisor because... What I thought when if, when I first saw the test, I thought this is seventy pages of PDF raw data, and nobody wants that much information. Somebody wants to interpret it. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. very high tech, and I thought we need a high touch element, a nice friendly person to talk you through your mm. results. <clears throat> so I trained a team of nutritional advisors, and that's how we work it now. So you have someone to sort of talk through the results, answer any questions that you might have, and then you get your big PDF in the mail, so you can go through it at your leisure. Good luck, the one who gets Ollie. <laughs> that'd be fun I think I think it'd be very interesting to do no, I think it'd be really I think it'd be really interesting to do do you think because... we could get it on, on business expenses for the food talk show I think definitely it's, I think R, it's R&D for sure oh yeah, yeah absolutely um I'm going to talk about goat facts now because you're a Capricorn. You love I am. Goats. I like goats. You love goats. So goats were one of the first animals to be tamed by humans. They were being herded nine thousand years ago, and goat meat is the most consumed meat per capita worldwide. Which actually I don't find surprising, but I don't know. I don't find that surprising. I don't know if this is true. Goats can be taught their name and to come when called. Well, I, 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 it works for me. <laughs> I answer to Ollie. <laughs> um, and each kid has a unique call along with its scent, and that's how its mother recognises it from birth, not by sight. Didn't know that. Is this all true, Sean? Absolutely. Good. Um, goats are herd animals and they'll be depressed if they're kept on their own. So it's actually unhealthy for a goat if a family just owns one as a pet. You Not can't helpful. have just one, you've got to have two. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel depressed get upset. on my own. Yeah, but like, but see, tortoises are okay on their own, aren't they? Well, no, it's got the my um, flash has me. Yeah. Goats' pupils, like many hooved animals, are rectangular. Didn't know that either. Um, this gives them vision uh, for 320 to 340 degrees compared to humans that are around about 200. Um, so they can literally, they can actually like see all around themselves without moving their head. Mm. So just don't sneak up because you don't think a goat's looking because they will be. They'll see you. And they're foragers, not grazers. So so my impression of them, like Billy Goat's Gruff and all that, you know, the the, the sort of nursery rhymes and <clears throat> stories when you were children is, is that somehow they're all munching grass, but they're not apparently. They're foragers. Right? They like grass and they'll eat grass, but for maximum health, they need to be, uh, they need to have access to trees and shrubs and things. Yeah, in their natural habitat, they roam mountaintops and reach up as high as possible to pick out the choice bits of forage they can find. They're all foragers. I think they're amazing animals. They are actually. You you you've got you've got a good few, haven't you? You've got fifty, haven't you? We do. We have fifty goats, and they're also they're the toughest animals, um, really, on the planet. They're the only animals Apart that from live. Pigs, I love pigs as well. 
Pigs are good. Yeah. Pigs are good. Pigs will eat anything as well. Yeah. If if there was Armageddon, God knows what's happening with politics at the moment. If there was, you'd have a pig and a goat, wouldn't you? Yeah, and you'd be fine. And you'd be fine. Pigs, I mean, pigs are good smallholder animals as well. Mm. Goats are the ultimate smallholding animal because, of course, you can eat the meat and they give you milk and you can have cheese and so you would survive very well. But they actually live on the driest desert and mm. in the iciest Alps, you know, in the most extreme conditions in the planet, you will find goats when you don't find anything else. They're very tough. Yeah, the problem with pigs is you, you actually do have to kill them if you want to do something with them. So that's probably not, gr- yeah, thinking about that. That's what I like about goats. goats. Goats and bees, you can have a nice interaction with them. You take care of them, they take care, take care of, you. of you. It's a nice symbiosis. Mm. You don't actually have to kill them to get the benefit. Mm. So, um, just quickly moving on, Rekha. Goats, do you like goats? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the goat. I, yeah. I definitely was chuckling away at some of those facts in there. Chuckling uh, goat, you see? Yeah, well, there you go. There you go, there you go. Now, um, if if uh, Ollie and I have got a spare 100 grand each, where would you, where would you, in, there's loads of amazing food and food tech and all sorts of uh, com- <coughs> companies around the food sector. Um, looking at uh, things like kefir and, you know, if you were going to support a new startup ish or a scale up what areas are you seeing that, that are very exciting at the moment gosh first of all i feel like i should put a disclaimer in here yeah 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 i'm not we're absolutely not saying anybody should go and lay a bet on any of this but but but, but tra- trends you're particularly excited about yeah i think um actually if i zoom out a little bit mm. if i think about behaviors uh and if i look at food and food tech as you mentioned i think that um, those that are pioneering the way and creating new solutions and bringing them to the forefront typically tend to, it comes from a place of passion. They're looking to provide the best experience, the best ingredients, the best resources, which tends to mean that it's available for those that can afford it. So kind of early adopters of this this new stuff. There's a bit of authenticity running through it. Completely agree. Yeah. 100%. And then I feel the next wave is the next sort of collection of people look at what's happened and think, okay, that's super interesting. I'm also interested in that area, but I want to open up the market. I want to make this more available to to other people. Um, Slightly disruptive? You could, well... Not it, always. In true form, I think the, the pioneers are the, the truly disruptive okay, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, the next group of people have definitely got um, opportunity running through their eyes and they tend to take something that's working and proven in a small market and think, okay, how can I make this bigger? Um, they want to make it cheaper, they want to make it accessible to more people, which does mean um, a bit of dilution in quality, but that then leads to... So are you saying that followers are more likely to... Quick followers are more likely to succeed? I know we're hugely generalising here. No, but I think it depends (coughs) on your definition of success. So, I mean, I started a boutique food business in 2012. I was super passionate about bringing Indian sweets and desserts to people and to have them look at it in an elegant way. I wanted the best ingredients. And you kind of learn that not everybody cares about that and not everybody gets it straight away. So it's so tough being first to market because you've got to educate. So you're doing the work of everybody for everybody else following you, aren't you? Really? Yeah. And people said to me, oh, you know, you, you, you've been really successful in, in launching this business. And I felt a bit like a failure inside because I wasn't reaching more people. So I think the next people that come along uh, you know, benefit. It, yeah, yeah. It, it depends what your goal is. And I think that's really interesting for founders. What, what are they doing it for? What's their, their mission in the first instance? Um, yeah. So if I look at trends, which was the question that you, you sort of asked me, I think in this space, um, I've got sort of two subjects. One is um, vertical farming. 
which yeah, we haven't talked about. Yeah, I, th mm. I think if we look at the evolution of that, it's been going for a few years now. There's been lots of testing. It's going to be coming into the commercial space sooner rather than later. And I think it brings a really interesting, it comes at a really interesting time where people have never cared about provenance more. By bringing um, something like that into supermarkets, is this the beautiful marriage of a purer product becoming available at a more accessible price point for the masses. Yeah, the, the, the reason why I'm, I, I'm very enthusiastic about it is, is, is it's to do with the air miles and the travel um, issue, really. Um, so, so for anybody to know about vertical farming, it's literally like having a huge, tall building and, and, and plants are grown literally in shelves, layer by layer by layer, um, getting all the nutrients they want. There's no weeding because there's no stuff, you know, in there. And it can be quite pure, I think. Um, but for me, what's really interesting is it might be that your big Sainsbury's will literally have one around the corner so that then, you know, supermarkets and, and um, independent retailers can start gr growing, in inverted commas, their salad and foodstuffs, and then they're not being transported from everywhere. And that, for me, is the that's the real benefit for me, is, is getting that stuff off the roads. Absolutely. I and I think <coughs> some great chefs have been doing this for years, you yeah. know, building gardens on their rooftops and yeah. uh, sort of the kitchen table experience. And I think this is now starting to take it, make it more of um, an everyday behaviour so that people can be encouraged to do it themselves. But, but what vertical farming is doing is, is allowing them to have the volume because the problem with that before is you couldn't get the volume. And so if you've got a restaurant that's doing, you know, a lot of covers a day, you can't just have a little herb garden at the back. It's just it's not going to give you the volume that you want. Um, so, yeah, some people who are doing some interesting stuff around that would be good. Yeah. So look out for that, vertical Definitely. farming. And your second area? Yeah, the second area is food delivery. So um, it's not a new subject by any means. We've seen, um, you know, a few major brands kind of really dominate this space in the last few years. Why I think it's interesting now is back to that kind of um, first mover, it's really only been accessible for people at a certain price point. And I think now there have already been declarations by some of the brands that they want to be able to um, serve hot food delivered to people at a, a more palatable price point that takes it out of being just a, a one-off treat or for only for the affluent and to, to give people back a, a bit of time. And I think if we if we can start to see that coupled with nutritious food and not just... Takeaways. Correct. Yep. Or unhealthy takeaways and, you know, <clears throat> less fresh food than we would like and that we would like to be consuming. And I, I think there's going to be some really interesting stuff coming through in that space. I mean, I would love to see that for, for people who are vulnerable or... or um, Okay, so I'm generalising and saying that that you might be elderly in that category, but you know, say if you are elderly, struggling to to, to manage to cook now, that your choices of getting really decent food delivered, uh, they're, they're pretty much none, aren't they, at the moment? Really, from a quality, I mean, there's some, there's some yeah. that are really trying to do it, but they're not really nice food that you would want, desire, is it? I yeah, think... there's a, I mean, there's one, there's one, I mean. There's, there's, there's Wiltshire Farm Foods, which serves yeah. thousands and thousands yeah. of meals. And a couple of new ones, Parsley Box, which I think has come out recently. I, I, say, I think the elderly, I think we spend a lot of time talking about a younger generation, what mm. a younger mobile generation want. And the fact is, they've got choices. If you live in an urban yeah. area, you can basically do whatever the hell you like. Yeah. But if you live... And you, and you have the facilities and, 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 and the, physical the ability abilities. to be able yeah. to do it. Yeah. And actually, I think of an older generation who actually want you know, a decent solution. And home-cooked. It's just not quality. cool. But, you know, it's a bit like, you know, you and I often talk about, ooh, let's start a new gin, like that whole thing. Yeah. And I know we're talking to some gin people in a couple of weeks. But 
it's cool and it's lifestyle and all the rest of it, but actually, it's not what the need is. No, there's some there's some problems that we need to solve. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, somebody can come up with some really great solutions for that. I, I think there's a real, mm. don't you? It's a real opportunities. I think a real opportunities. I mean, I think the other area I'm really interested in, which I think is is definitely exciting, is sort of the packaging space. And mm. actually, it is amazing how far we've come on the sort of you know, the plastic is bad journey. I mean, even in the last two years, you know, it, it really has become... Plastic's not bad, though. No, no, but what, what I mean what by that is it, what happens that. to it, how it's used, single-use plastic, single not use, recycling it? it, not, yeah. you know, the entire supply chain around recyclability and that mm. kind of stuff. And I just think there's there's some really interesting innovation going on. And it's a company in Indonesia we came across where they were... It was a hotel and they were just basically recycling everything. And they've done some amazing stuff. They're, making they're committed these, to it, isn't it? Yeah, and they're making floor tiles out of... They'd taken all... They were starting a new hotel, and they were taking all the polystyrene from all the TVs that came in, and they were smashing that together with sand and rock and turning it into, like, floor tiles that were gorgeous. And you're like, wow. this is awesome. And, and you literally had a tiny studio off the side of the hotel, and they were doing this, and you're like, this is, this is innovation. That's very cool. That's yeah. very, very good. Very good. Um, any tips from you, uh, Sean? You know, in terms of, you know, outside the the food sector you're in, that you're 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 very excited about. We are now uh, talking actually with the Welsh Assembly Government and BIC Innovation about growing things in Wales that are going to provide some of these fibres. So the probiotic puts the fish in the fish tank and then you need prebiotics to feed the fish. It's no good just putting the good bugs in if you don't maintain them and you have to maintain them with your diet. And so as we discussed, you know, some of these things are hard to find and you have to import them and then they have air miles and so on. So in Wales, we're looking to um, cooperate with some local farmers uh, to grow some of these prebiotics locally so that we can have them here in the UK. So I'm very excited about that. And we're yeah. so, as we look forward into the science, we're trying to then access the things that we need. My, You were talking about mission, saying it very beautifully. My mission is to create natural health solutions for problems that, frankly, the doctors can't fix. Yeah. You know, you go in with an autoimmune condition, good luck with getting a solution to that. But actually, the gut has the answers and growing the food locally to feed those um, microbiome in the population um, is the answer to taking the weight off the NHS, I as far as I it's can a, see. It's a really interesting point, which I think often we we focus on single solutions and really innovative stuff. But I think a really interesting point you make there is about it's all interconnected. And a lot of the supply chains that we products exist within are requiring products from further afield. And I think a lot of it, potential innovation sits within trying to bring some of that production closer to home and thinking more into it. Not, and I, I, I'm always scared about saying what I'm saying now because... Not from a jingoistic, I want to be British produced only. It's about sustainability. And I think there's a good... celebration of national, you know, products. I mean, you've just come back from Indonesia yeah. raving about it because, you know, there's there's an Indonesian quality to it and that's what's exciting, isn't it? But you also come across like Australian hotel <coughs> chains that are, you know, I mean, I, I, there's, a, there's a baker out there who who proudly said all the flowers imported from Europe. And you think, oh God, really? Really? Is that... Is that really your sustainable solution to doing good bread out here? Is that just a rubbish solution? I mean, it's Indonesia. It's, you know, it's 17 hours by flight away. You know, so I think there's, you know, you, you've got, you've, you know, I think it's we've very, all got to think this stuff through. Yeah, it's complicated. Um, well, Sean, thank you so much for coming in. Um, a really good call out to Welsh producers. There's some stunning food coming out of Wales. Great cheese, for example. 
We're right. very passionate about what we do in Wales. Yeah. It's and it's a wonderful place to be because there is that level of energy and commitment, and uh, people do things because they love it. Yep. So call out to any Welsh producers out there. And lava you know? bread. Oh, I do all sorts really? of really great stuff. <laughs> Come on, if you like... No, it's good for the microbiome. It's very good for the microbiome. You should have it every day. Every day. <laughs> Take no notice of him. Um, and uh, so, so, thank you, Sean Jones. All those lovely people working at Chuckling Goat do carry on. You've just converted me to um, Kiefer, as you pronounce it. I've, I've, that's my second glass. Can we just ask Despite where you, where you, where'd you get it? Oh, yeah, where'd you get it? Well, we'll have a link on the website. But Yeah, chucklinggoat.co.uk. We ship directly. But can you buy it at supermarkets and stuff? No, we don't sell through any outside retailers because it's important for me to be in contact with my customer. But how much do I need to buy? You have to take at least three uh, weeks worth. It, it's no, you can't just have one bottle. It is an ongoing process. So three weeks worth, and that's how many bottles? So three weeks worth is four 40. bottles. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thirty nine ninety five. Four bottles. There you go. Four bottles. Well, That'll sort your microbiome out. A September resolution, October resolution, November resolution. <laughs> um, and also thank you, um, Raker Mayor. Uh, anybody want to get in contact with you in terms of getting some great, you know, entrepreneurial advice? Yeah. How do abs- they do that? Absolutely. So um, I work as a venture coach with um, some co-working spaces, with accelerators and, and launch projects. Well, they can get in touch with me on my website, which is www.rakermayor.com. Which you'll never be able to spell. And that's why we'll have a link <laughs> on the Food Talk website. Um, but again, it's, it's, it is definitely worth getting advice if you're, if you're looking at the next stage of, uh, of growth. Um, well, you've been listening to the Food Talk show. And as you know, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Stitcher. Spotify, Podbeans, iTunes and the podcast up on your phone. Thank you, Ollie. It's good to have you back. It's great to be back. I love a little bit of sparring. I've missed it. (laughs) Presumably you won't be quite as brown next week. No, I'm trying trying to spend more time in the rain. Indeed. Um, If you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking and interesting in the food sector, just like Sean and her lovely people at Chuckling Goat, uh, please get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to about 190 I counted them the other day podcasts being on on holiday and Holly Shackleton why would you do that go to foodtalk.co.uk or via you don't know this Ollie the Speciality Food Magazine website we're on the homepage you can link straight through now yeah jolly good so I hope you all have a good week bye bye